Hi, this is Elizabeth, and I've listened to every single episode of the When Dating Hurts podcast. I have not been in an abusive relationship myself, but I've had friends who have, and it's good to know the signs early to get out early. Bill, thank you for all that you do. When Dating Hurts podcast continues to grow in popularity, the more who listen, the more who will know the realities of dating and domestic violence. In the meantime, the When Dating Hurts book in paperback, ebook, and audiobook is being purchased and read by concerned parents, teachers, victims and survivors, and of course, those who are currently dating. Education leads to empowerment. That way, If a potential abuser is targeting you or someone you care about, you will know how to detect it and how to break free and stay safe. Up next, another survivor story to illustrate how an innocent person can become manipulated and trapped in abusive relationships. This is Taylor's story. Much of what she tells us follows along the lines of a classic domestic abuse story. Things start out pretty well and then start to turn and keep going in the wrong direction. This is a two-part story, and here's part one. Today on the When Dating Hurts podcast, we're speaking with Taylor, who approached me very recently and wanted to tell her story. And... That reminds me about your email. You said you recently ordered the When Dating Hurts book. Did you get it? I did get it in the mail, and I'm very excited to read it. It seems like an amazing book. I I just want to say I'm so sorry for what happened to your daughter, but what you're doing is so powerful. You're turning your pain into power, and that means everything to her and anyone who's going through anything like this. Thank you very much. I'm glad you got the book, and I'm sure you'll probably share it with other people because there are a lot of people who need to read a book about the warning signs and what to do if you get stuck in an unfortunate, unhealthy relationship. So I'm glad you have it, and and maybe get back with me sometime after you've kind of gotten yourself into it or through it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So you want to speak with us, and you had a relationship that now you've been out of for two years. So I'm sure you have more clarity about that relationship now than you did even in the course of the past two years. And, and certainly while you were in the middle of it, I'm sure you made yes. a lot of excuses for a person that was not treating you very well. A hundred percent. Yes. It's, it's very confusing when you're in the relationship. It's very off balancing and it's just, yes, uh, I finally starting to get clarity. It's taking me a very long time. Well, I'm glad we can talk about that. What were the circumstances when you met this person? What was the attraction? I worked at the YMCA at an elementary school. It was something I really enjoyed. I felt like it was my life purpose. And he also worked at the school and I could always feel him hanging around when I take the kids down the hall. He'd kind of, you know, prepare himself when I was coming down the hall. So I knew he was waiting for me. And my thing was that I really think he was watching how kind I was, how nurturing I was to the children, how motherly I was. And I really think that drew him into me. It took a while, maybe a couple months for him to speak to me. He seemed very shy, very awkward, but it just, once he talked to me, it was kind of like he was attached to me right away. How did you feel about him at 
in those early days, did you think this is terrific or did, was he a nuisance or how did you feel? Yeah, it's funny because I did not find him attractive. I did not find him appealing at all. It was kind of like, oh, this guy again. But again, I just, I let him in. I knew I probably shouldn't, but I just, uh, my empathy got in the way of my intuition. So you went on dates or you met up somewhere. So it was not a bunch of school kids around you. We decided to go on a walk and I felt like I kept putting things off. You, he even made a comment, well, you seem like a very busy person. And I felt like I was kind of trying to push him away, but he was very persistent. So mm. I finally gave in one day and we went on a walk um, at the back of the school. There's a nice wooded area and it's, um, it was pretty enjoyable. Actually, it was a lot of pity play on his end. You know how terrible his life has been, how depressed he is. And I knew right then, well, I didn't know right then, but now I know that he was really playing on my empathy at that point. But again, I, I found him interesting once I started talking to him, but I really do think he was mirroring me. He was, I'm into a lot of very spiritual stuff and he started bringing up chakras and yoga. And I, uh, right then uh, he had me hooked. He did. When you think back about his search for sympathy with you, mm-hmm. how much of that did you find out maybe was the truth or how much of it was an invention? Or I definitely think he was a very lonely person. I do feel that. But I also think it was definitely played on that he was so depressed and nothing in his life goes right and he has no friends and nobody cares about him. I really think he did add on to, you know, making me, opening up my heart to him right away, which now I know is a major red flag. You shouldn't know everyone's beginning of their life story on a first date. It should be very casual for the first few dates. The relationship is going and you're dealing with, you're kind of unfortunately put into the position of being a sponge to take Mm -hmm. in all this since he's putting so much out. Even though you didn't have a list of classic warning signs from a domestic violence agency, but I mean, did you think anywhere along that way that I had a get away from this person or did you just like the question will always be why did you stick around even in the beginning I think again it was my empathy I just felt sorry for him and I know one day we went to exercise we went to an exercise class and my whole body was telling me do not be here it was I walked away from that class thinking he is not good he is not the one and I did not listen to it I stayed and I really think it was my empathy and also because I probably wanted some excitement in my life and I was happy at that point in my life I loved my job I loved my friends and it just still I I feel like these people always give you the little bit of excitement that you everyone's looking for, the little bit extra in life. In making that thought, you used the word bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Were you thinking he will not be a positive person in my life, or did you think he w- could be actually a bad person in my life? I really thought he was, I thought he was just, you know, not a the best kind of guy but then it's funny because I have a twin sister who I came home and she said I do not feel good I feel like something bad's gonna happen I do not like this guy who you're hanging around with and I was kind of like oh you know she's probably just nervous she misses me because I had started hanging out with him more but she was adamant that he was not a good energy to be around the twin sister part I didn't know about that I find that always always fascinating Mm -hmm. did you normally trust in what your sister saw and would tell you in other words, like, wow, she's pretty good at figuring things out. She's very intuitive. She knows her stuff. And I just didn't listen. Like I said, I heard one time that these people take you onto a, like a 
trip that it's almost like you're on on a drug that no one can see you taking. So you're kind of acting crazy. You're not acting like yourself and everyone else around you can be like, why, what are you doing? And you just, it, they hijack your brain. And in the early stages of feeling like you're in love with somebody, a lot of your logical thinking for all of us, any of us goes out the window. Mm-hmm. In this case, when you're dealing with somebody who maybe is a bit practiced at this, really knowing what he's up to. Yes. I'm going to make that leap since he turns out to be such a bad actor later on. Mm -hmm. This was just part of his technique. Do do you think, okay, so how much of this unhappy, depressed life do you think he's telling the truth about? I still find myself going there with that. Do you think that's a big mask he's wearing? not sure if it's a mask I really think it's inside him that no matter what he gets he won't be happy I really do think he was sad I think he was exaggerating but I really do think it's all from in himself that where the sadness the emptiness comes yeah I, I think that's inside him as a person so there was an age different I was I think 32 and he was probably 40 that's not a whole bunch mm-hmm. okay once we shift out of the walk through the woods and him probably doing most of the talking because he's doing a great big download on on various ways to pull on your heartstrings, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of uh, wanting you to triage his life, mm-hmm. yeah, make him feel all better. So now we shift out of that gear and where do we go next? What are we doing? So next it becomes into constant communication. I've I've never been had somebody want to talk to me so frequently, see me so frequently, yet just wanted all my time, all my energy. And then it became into the fantasy part of it where we knew each other in past lives. We're soulmates. You're everything I've ever wanted. Yes. So it became so fantasy. It was unbelievable how ridiculous got. And of course, I just on this pedestal (laughs) loving it (laughs) at this point where it's just, yeah, like I was at a hive that I couldn't get down from. It would just, it did feel good to be up there thinking, wow, you're going to save this guy. You're, you're a queen. You really were uh, lapping it up. Yes, I was. He's putting it out there, and you are definitely, uh, it's an all-you-can-eat place. Yep, definitely. Oftentimes in relationships like this, and I know they're all different, but there sure are a lot of similarities, but in relationships like this, the soon-to-be abuser will want to speed things up. Mm -hmm. There's no book that tells you when you tell the other person, I love you, but sometimes People like this might tell you that in the first week or two. Or they may say, I don't know, you know, it's no point in us both having apartments and paying paying rent. Why don't we move in with each other? Mm-hmm. You know, so is he doing any speed ups on you? He was doing speed ups. He was, you know, we traveled right away. We went to a beach house in Canada. And of course, he's, um, you know, the greatest guy there. No warning signs at all. It was just, um, yeah. So he definitely did speed up dates and speed up. Yes, he did. So from the walk in the woods to the the trip to Canada, which is not very far from where you live, Mm -hmm. being way up there in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. How much time before we started heading for Canada? So that was a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. 
yes and it was That's soon it is soon and it was also he had a cabin in the woods so we within a couple of weeks we were there too enjoy you know like i said those were the best times of my life just relaxing i'm a nature lover so we were in the woods just on the four wheelers and hiking and fishing and it just that you know it was it was magical at that point interesting cabin in the woods Mm-hmm. yeah knowing where the story goes cabin in the woods terrifies me no, it does, and yes. So we're going to the cabin. We're having a great time. How much time has passed when now you're starting to see things that are really worrisome? Yeah. Not just, oh, my God, don't tell me one more time about your poor life. Yes. Now it's starting to be, ooh, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. So I say about four months in, and about the fall, it kind of got a little iffy where one thing that I did not like about him was he was a terrible driver, very aggressive. My dad drove like that. So I kind of feel like they're the same type person. I I, I had a great relationship with my, with my mom and the entire family, but me and my dad just did not get along. And he would drive like a maniac and I wouldn't say anything. And I'll always regret that, that I just sat there and I just let it happen because I didn't want to rock the boat. I was scared to lose him. I was. I was scared to lose this fun, this magical fantasy relationship that I thought I was in. That's very interesting. What I was anticipating was that you would say that if you asked him if he could slow it down a little bit, he did the opposite. Mm -hmm. But you didn't even speak up? I did not even speak up. I'll always regret that. I really didn't. Well, that might not have gone well. No. You might have done the right thing in that case. Mm -hmm. Now we're we're moving along with this relationship and it's, it's still sounding, sounding pretty good. I mean, he Mm -hmm. might be occupying your calendar. Mm -hmm. I imagine he's calling you or text messaging you at a fairly high rate. Would that be fair? It would be very fair. Yes. Constant communication. And I said, one thing that did was a red flag to me was I like to wear cute little shirts with sayings on them. And I had two different shirts. One was take a hike with, you know, a hiking boot on it. And the other was, I need space. And he would get upset when I would wear those shirts. So it that kind of drew my mind like, oh, is it like going to be hard when I try to leave? Because most people would say, oh, those are cute shirts. But he was upset when I would wear those. The last thing he wanted to hear from you. A hundred percent. Yep. Later on, you wanted to print up some more shirts for him. Yes, for sure. I never want to see you again. Yes, definitely. This relationship's going along. It's feeling, it's got its moments you don't care for, but for the most part, on the whole, it's working. It is. Does it now get a little better? Does it start to get a little worse? I would say um, one thing that I want to point out was the triangulation. So he had me up on a pedestal like I was his soulmate, but then there would gradually be other women that would come in. You know, he mentioned like um, even just how beautiful someone else is or how, you know, he's gonna, one time he wanted to go out to lunch with another lady in which I thought for a while, I thought, oh, this is fine. But then I realized this isn't right. If I'm his soulmate, shouldn't I be there meeting the other woman with him? So oh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that kind of stirred things up a little bit. So that's where it started to go downhill for me with why, if I'm his soulmate, why is he with another woman enjoying her company, enjoying, you know, time together without me? Did you ever discover it was more than lunch? I'm sure it would have been more than lunch uh, at this point. So this is about four years in. So we had a lot of up and downs in between them. But but four years in, this happened. And I said, you know, this is not right. 
this is uh, nothing I want to be a part of. And this is when I tried to leave. And this is when everything, you know, just got crazy with him. So we've jumped to four years in this story. Okay, so we've gone from the cabin, which is still pretty early on, yes. to four years. But yeah. in that interim, where are we living? Are we living together at this stage? No, never living together. I would stay never. over there a lot. Huh. No, that is one thing for sure, yes, that we never lived together. But Why we, do you think that is? Oh, I don't know. I think because I was happy alone. And I think deep down, I always knew there was something off. I really do. I just think I didn't want to admit it to myself. And like I said, at this point, my sister was, you know, almost throwing tantrums saying like, this guy is not safe. He is something bad's going to happen. And we, we were barely talking, me and my twin sister, for three years or so because of this guy. Really? Yes. And we we're very close. You weren't speaking with your sister because there was no room for those calls or you guys were just banging heads? Banging you... heads for sure. She was very upset with me. and She's working on you to, to let this let this guy go or dial him out, yes. dial him down. Yes. In the meantime, you're defending him and you don't mm -hmm. know him. And yes. It's not as bad as you think or whatever that, whatever your defense yes. would be. You're defending him. Mm-hmm. And then I did want to bring up, Bill, how we would be on, like, beautiful nature walks, and he would bring up, like, some kind of, like, weird comments. Like, one time a kid had fallen and broke his leg, and there was tons of ambulances around, and so we walked over to see what was wrong, and when we got there, we found out it was just, you know, a kid had fallen, and he made a little comment, well, that wasn't enough carnage for me. And it's just kind of like these weird comments that I started to piece together that did not make sense with this calm personality. He was like a nature lover. He was a hunter. He was a calm yoga lover. And then all of a sudden these little comments started to pop through. Uh. So I'm thinking, so I'm thinking there's something called psychopathic tells where they'll tell you tiny little hints of who they are. It'll be so quick in the middle of a perfect day, and you just have to really try to pick up on what they're telling you. That is vastly interesting, isn't it? I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're getting these little two or three second glimpses of things that if you hang on to them, starts to tell you something. That's yeah, very interesting. It is interesting. So I was starting to see a little more darkness and like not to go into detail, but like, you know, things sexually started getting a little dark. He was starting to break boundaries that were that I didn't care for sexually. And that's when I started to think I wanted to walk away, you know, when he couldn't hear no, when the things, you know, he kept pressing me for things that I wasn't comfortable with, things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Well, besides the sexual part, which I don't, I know you don't want to really talk about, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Are there other areas that you thought that he just was going too far into? I definitely his weed. He started smoking so much marijuana that it was like he was high all the time, and it it just didn't make sense to me. If I'm making you so happy, why do you need this substance that makes you happy as well? Yes. Financially, did he try to get into your life? Not financially. That was something that never really came up. I really think he was using me for my energy. And just that's what was he was drawing from, my light, my energy. That's what he wanted from me. Yeah, he certainly got it, didn't he? A hundred percent. For you to be a survivor, you have to get to that point where you just look in the mirror and just tell yourself, I can't do this anymore. I'm mm -hmm. bottoming out, whatever you want to call it. But in other words, I need to, I need to find a path away from this person. Yes. What added up to the breaking point for you? 
like I said, for some reason that that dinner with that woman bothered me so much that I just thought this is not right. If I'm your soulmate, why do you need another woman's attention? I said, if what I'm giving you isn't enough, then you're really a lost cause because it's, I was really giving him everything I could, all the love, all the attention. And so that did bother me because at that point I did feel like I was in a triangle where it was not two people anymore. It became a triangle of three people. Were you around her very much? Did you? No, I I've never met the woman. Never, never saw her and nothing. I I, know. Never saw her. I've heard about her. I've heard that they had a great bond that they were, you know, so close and it's just, it wasn't making sense to me. And I knew at that point I was probably going to start to get devalued and discarded. So that's what it was is I kind of caught him before he could do that. And I was ready to take off before he could get rid of me. guess your sister was pretty happy about that part. Yes, she was. And so at that point I was ready to leave. I was, you know, um, thought maybe we could be friends. Maybe it'll end calmly. And that's when, you know, things started to get, it, it definitely jumped from, being two partners to just like a dangerous situation quick. Did you at any point in time in this find yourself wanting to get in touch with a domestic violence agency or kind of seek some kind of, I don't know, therapeutic help, outside help? Definitely. And that's one thing I, when the threats started to come through, I called them and they were amazing. I highly recommend anyone that calls their local, this was a family justice center and they were just amazing to me. They, the first thing they said was, I am so proud of you. You're doing the right thing. And that made all the difference in the world to just have a little bit of love and support and not thinking, oh, well, you shouldn't have stayed with him this long. It was, they said that, you know, it takes about eight times to leave these people. That's the truth. That's the national average. They were amazing. I highly recommend anyone calls them and they actually did. So at this point, the threats were coming in and they were pretty aggressive. It was saying things like, if you block me, that's not a good idea. If you know, like I'll come bang your door down. The worst one to me was I always get what I want that I think that's terrible to say I always get what I want. Like I have no say in it, like he's going to do anything to have this work out. It just, you know, that was not a good comment to me. And then one of the worst ones was he wanted me to meet up with him one last time and I would not do it because I knew he wasn't stable. So I said, I'm not going to meet up with you. And he said, sorry, life has pressure. Choices have consequences. Hmm. So I said, what? That is, I know. That one really gets to the point, doesn't it? It does. Yes. So I said, what are the consequences? And he said, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Left the door open. Anything could happen to you. For anything. And I was terrified. That's when I, I did go to the police and what one thing I want to talk about was how to safely leave. I really Good. think it's, a, yes, I really think. Okay. Yep. So I really think it's important, no matter how small as you think it is, go and at least file it with the police. So you don't have to do a restraining order. You can say, I do not want them to know. I just want to make a report. So that's what I did. And I went into very detail about every threat that he made about that. He does seem to have mental illness. He was getting into the marijuana more, drinking more, and that I felt like he was spiraling. So I I put that all on file. I put it on, you know, they want to know if he has guns, which he does because he's a hunter. He has lots of guns. They'll take all your information. I was lucky enough. They took me very seriously. They were great to me. 
So I was lucky with that. But even if they don't, you know your truth. Just get everything on file and make sure that they know not to tell him yet. And that way everything's on file. Yes, for sure. So I had everything on file with the police and they said, you have definitely enough to do a restraining order. And I said, I do not want to do that yet because I do think that would make it worse. But I'm so thankful they took me seriously. They were great to me and very helpful. They went through something called a lethality assessment. Mm-hmm. And there's there's like 11 or 12 items. And part of it is a person that can't keep a job. And part of it is guns in the house. And, you know, they have a whole list of things. And I know some people who've actually given that assessment to somebody who's on the receiving end, like you were, mm-hmm. and they'll wind up ticking off every box on there. And it's like, okay. And one of the reasons to do that is to get the story out in the open. But another reason is that sometimes a person who's being abused needs to be convinced they're being abused and they need to be convinced how dangerous their life is at that time because they may look at it like, well, yeah, he has guns, but I mean, he would never shoot me. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on to the next point. And they go down the list and it's like, I got to tell you, there's 11 things on here and you have checked yes on every one of them. Mm-hmm, definitely getting a little closer to believing that you need to take some steps. What you said about restraining order too, I find is always an interesting area to think about because I'm not so sure how I feel about them either. Mm-hmm, yes. I know I'm not the authority on that. I'm sure a lot of people in law enforcement would, would be listening carefully to the next things that are said, but sometimes it definitely does light a fire under the perpetrator once they're served papers, which means that you went to a judge somewhere and that you had this written up and then they are handed something and it's like, oh, how about that? Okay, huh. So you went to the law, you went to a judge and you gave them my name and my address and they found me and how about that? Yes. You know, they feel like they're, they now have a police record of some kind. How dare you for doing that, mm-hmm. especially when they're the person who thinks they are in control of absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you start to break the news safely to this person? He's already told you if you block me, mm-hmm. things could get bad. And how do you get loose from this guy? One thing that I found very helpful was it could be a little risky, but I started telling his friends. I started telling him that I'm telling your friend that you won't, can't let this go, that you are harassing me. And I think that really did calm him down. I do. I think he got embarrassed. It calmed him down. I'm surprised it calmed him down. I know. It, I'm surprised too. It, it did. It, I think he got very embarrassed. He knew that he, he was kind of stuck at that point that he, if he did something, he'd look like a, the maniac he is. But I think he really wanted to just kind of back away at this point. In my mind, I do think I'm not still out of the picture because it's been two years now and he's still sending letters. He's still trying to contact friends to contact me. I still think there is a chance that he thinks we'll get back together one day. And I think he doesn't want to go crazy for that reason. I think he knows that. I think he thinks it could work out eventually. But it won't, right? It won't. A hundred percent it won't. This is the conclusion to part one with Taylor. Be looking for part two on the When Dating Hurts podcast. Thank you for listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast. We have been steadily moving up in podcast review rankings based on downloads in the relationships category. That means 
more and more listeners are getting the kind of advice that can improve lives for victims, survivors, and their families. If you feel we need to hear your story, do not hesitate to email me at billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com. That's billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com.